Welcome back to the Midlife Crisis Task Force. I'm Nate. I'm Chris. And it's just us tonight. Hap is feeling under the weather, couldn't make it, so we hope he feels better soon. And we'd like to wish him a uh, hearty congratulations on his new job. Yep, congratulations. Yes. So, since it's just Chris and I, we're going to talk music, because that's what Chris and I talk about. (laughs) And tonight we're going to talk about my favorite band. Pink Floyd, one of there the top go. top bands of the classic rock here. I don't think very many people would disagree with that statement. Yeah. So, um, I uh, you actually turned me on to this band when we were yes, in high sir. school. Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, and I'm eternally grateful to you for it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you would have found them on your own anyway, but... <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah. It just would have taken a little while longer, I think. But, um... <laughs> so, I made a list that they've had... 14 studio records. This is just albums they cut in the studio. Doesn't include greatest hits, packages, compilations, live records. I got to have several of those too. But I made a list of my favorite albums of theirs ranked. This is just solely my list. So if you don't like it, well, that's fine. You're welcome to disagree with it. Exactly. Exactly. We're just going to go through real quick. We're going to talk about each of their albums. And, um, That'd just work. see where it goes, and uh, as I just told Chris offline, if this goes too long, we'll make it a two-parter because him and I <laughs> could definitely go go on and on when it comes to music. So exactly. So um, so where will we start, Nathan? Are we going to do like at the very beginning, or you want to rank them, or how are we doing? This? I have ranked them so because I thought you and I were both we were both going to make a list and we were going to compare. And I, rankings. and I fell asleep and I did not. <laughs> so, I mean, we can just do them in order or we can. I'll tell you what, let's do it. My, my list. Let's go through your list and we'll, let's go through your list and we'll talk them out that way. We'll keep everything fresh. And because some of these albums you're going to be more familiar with than I am, as far as like some of the real early stuff, I don't listen to as much, but you know, like the Piper at the Gates of Dawn, I like it. Just haven't listened to it that much. Yeah. But um, yeah. but let's yeah, let's just start with your list. Go ahead. And... All right. Well, I'll start at the bottom and we'll work our way up. I think you already know what number one's gonna be. Most people oh, yeah. know me already know what number one's gonna oh, be. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And just to say I don't dislike any of these records. I think they've all got their merits. Some okay. are better than others. I don't wouldn't call any of them bad. Um, okay. so the one I have at the bottom is their second record, A Saucer Full of Secrets, from 1968. And the reason I have it at the bottom is it is the one I have listened to the least over the years. It's not a bad record, but it's very reflective of where the band was at that time. Mm-hmm. band was founded by Sid Barrett, who was the creative force on Piper at the Gates of Dawn, and we'll talk more about Sid when we get to Piper. All right. But just to make it short for the moment, Sid's mental health went into a precipitous decline after that first album. And by the time they were going to record a saucer full of secrets, he was not able to perform anymore. They had brought in David Gilmore. And by the time they actually made the record, he had deteriorated to a point where he really couldn't contribute at all. He's only has one song on the record, whereas he wrote. Oh, okay. I was going to ask you. That's what yeah, I was going to ask. He you wrote pretty much the entirety of the first record. He's only got one song on here, and then he was dropped from the band after this because he was he become so erratic and his middle state was so bad. So this is a band that is trying to find a new direction, and that's what it sounds like. It sounds like a band who is just 
fumbling around trying. Fumbling is probably not the right word. Um, they're they're trying to figure out where they're going to go from here. I yes. mean, they easily they easily could have broken up. I mean, most bands would have broken up at that point, but uh, they kept at it. There's some really good songs on it. Set the controls for the heart of the sun is good. Run with Roger Waters. There's a good Rick Wright song called Remember a Day. It's a good record, but it's it's the one I've listened to the least. It's the most uneven, I think, of their records. So yes. And this was like, they really kind of changed their direction from the first one. Drastically, yes. Yes, because the Sid Barrett was more of a, didn't he do more like of an English folky kind of thing? Kind of, yeah. And but, in his, but in his vision of it. Yes, really. yes. And very psychedelic. I mean, that right. is pure psychedelic rock, whereas this record is more early prog rock, space rock, I've heard it called. Yes. Yeah, I've heard yeah. that. Yeah. Just before we go any further, you can s- split Floyd's music up into different periods. There's yeah. the the Barrett Floyd, which was their first record. Mm-hmm. There's the period this record came out with, which I I kind of refer to as the band period because it really was all of them working together yes. to try to make music and figure out what they were going to do. That culminated with Dark Side of the Moon. And then you have the Waters era, which is the classic era, the Waters Floyd. Yes. Until, until he leaves the band in 83. And then you have the Gilmore Floyd, which is their last two records. So exactly. this is the beginning of the kind of the crossover between the Barrett era and the band era. Well, they, they actually had three albums after he left, after Waters which, left. Momentary Lapse of Reason, The Division Bell, and the in, oh, Endless River. I completely forgot about Endless River. Oh, my oh God. don't feel bad. No, a lot of people did, too. I know. So okay. Like, Shit. Yeah, I've completely forgot about it. I was and thinking, that, honest to God, I thought, well, that's going to be, his, if we're starting at the worst, that's probably where he's going to start. That's where I really thought you were going. But I made this list. I pulled out the, you gave me a box set of all their recordings. I think you had got, you had ordered it off of eBay and gotten an extra copy. So you gave right. me the other, I pulled all of those out and laid them out on my futon and arranged them so that that was how I made the list. And that's not in that record. So I didn't even think about it. Yeah. So let's just say, let's back up and go to 15, <laughs> which is Endless River. There you go. Endless yeah. River is unlike any other Pink Floyd album in that it's 95% instrumental. This was, um, Yes. We should probably should have just discuss that as an addendum. Yeah, let's strike this. Let's discuss that as an addendum to okay. Division no. Bell, because that's really that's what fine. it is. Okay. All right. So, do we want to say any more about Saucer? No. I mean, you pretty much covered it. I mean, that's a, you know, that's, they're starting to find what they want to do, and they start to morph into something different, you know, okay. a little bit, a little bit at a time. You can see the growth yeah. through the next album. Yes. Chronologically, so okay. Go All ahead. Right. Go ahead. Um, my next record, number thirteen, is their fourth record, Umaguma, which was a double record, and it's a mixed bag. Yes, two records. The first two sides. The first record are a live recording of some of their earlier records, which is fantastic. Is a really great live set from them. The problem is the second half. The second record is each band member contributed some solo pieces. Right, it's their own track. It kind of like did like Yes did with Fragile. Exactly, yes, but not as successfully. <laughs> no, 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 exactly. It's just kind of 
forgettable. It's just kind of all over the place. Um, I, I probably if it not if it weren't for the live record, I probably would put Umagum at the bottom. Um, yeah. It's not what I listen to. I, I listen to the live record every now and then because that's great. But um, there's nothing really outstanding on the second disc. Uh, it's, it does have my favorite song title of all time. Several species of small prairie animals gathered together in a cave and grooving with a pict. <laughs> which I know, I, I recalled from memory, I have it memorized. Um, yeah. Which that in itself is an interesting song because it sounds like a bunch of like animals bird noises but it's human voices that have been sped up right they that's, sound like that's a roger waters track right yes yeah. i think yeah. it has him i think it's him at the very end that's reciting something in either gaelic or old english i don't know it's, it's a very strange track <laughs> but uh yeah that that's not one i listen to a lot um yeah but at least the second half of it i've probably listened to a handful of times so next up is and i I hate to put this album this low because it's a good record. Mm-hmm. It's their final album, The Division Bell, which is the Gilmore Floyd, although it was kind of more in a more of a band album than had been in the in the recent past with Pink Floyd because the other Richard Wright, I think, contributes some writing and he actually sings on it. It was the first time he'd sang since Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right on that. Yeah, and it's but it's still mostly David Gilmore. Yes, and I won't let me. I'm going to throw something in just real quick. Go right ahead, go right ahead. Um, these post Waters albums they have the Pink Floyd name, but I think they're really Gilmore solo albums because he had so much to do with them. Yes, and I'm not going to argue with that. I don't think a lot of people would argue with that. And we there's another album coming up, we could say the reverse, we'll get to that in a minute, but um, sure. sure. Yeah, the this is a good record and it's got some good songs on it. It's Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Not it doesn't grab you the way the other f- album that he made that was the Gilmore Floyd Mormon Tale, that's the reason. It just doesn't grab me the way that one did. I don't know. It's it's hard to explain. I said I feel bad putting it down this low because it's a good record, but it's not one that I listen to a whole lot. Well, the thing that's different about this compared to Momentary Lapse or a reason Momentary lapse of reason is closer to being a Floyd album, even it, though I yes. would still I would still categorize it as Gilmore solo, but it's closer to Floyd than this is. This is a lot of interest. You know, there's a couple of instrumental tracks, but there's just a couple of straight songs. You know, pop songs, mm-hmm. and there's two or three on there that's you know taking the piss to Roger Waters. Yeah. <laughs> you know that kind of stuff. But you yeah, know. there's one that ends with uh he told me to please go fuck myself. You just can't win. And it's pretty obvious who that's so aimed at. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I, I think when you get the, this is, you know, I don't know how familiar you are with his Gilmore solo albums. Um, a few of them. Yeah. It's, they're not terribly interesting. They're, they're I mean, no, no, they have a couple of really good highlights yes. and the rest of it's kind of just background noise. Yeah. You know, background music. And some of this stuff, this is just, I'd almost say a straight, pop rock album because there's no, no way you know what i mean because there's not a lot of thing there's not a lot of musical bridges holding everything together yeah they're not the songs don't flow together like a pink floyd album should which exactly. they did kind of kind of achieve on momentary lapse of reason which is one of the reasons it does sound more like a floyd album but yes gilmore is a great 
musician. He writes some really great music, but he is not a great lyricist. And no, that's his not wife, his, suit. his wife, Polly Sampson, has now taken over writing the lyrics, and she's not bad. She's better no. than, but it's a shame him and Roger Waters don't get along because Roger's the exact opposite. Roger is a fantastic lyricist, one of the best. Yes. Yes. But his music is just kind of there. It's the music not, is secondary to the lyrics. Yes. The best Pink Floyd material is what the two of them did together when they brought Gilmore's music to Waters lyrics. And when that meshing together is is, yeah. is where it, everything really shines. Exactly. But I think there's, I doubt you'd even get them to be in a room together, much less oh, sitting no. in a room and recording music again. I we will definitely have to talk about that at the end of the list. Yes, yeah, we'll, we'll I have do a, definitely have some ideas about that. Yeah, yeah. Some opinions. So, <laughs> so th this is where we can go back to the Endless River, because this Endless River is technically the last Pink Floyd album. It was released five, six years ago, I think. Yes. It's really, it's an addendum to the Division Bell because it is music that was recorded during those sessions that didn't make it on the record. Right. It's just, a, it's a, the old days, they would probably call it a contractual obligation album. Yeah, almost. probably. Probably. You know. But, um, yeah. I don't know. The, um, the Floyd's keyboard player, Rick Wright, passed away of cancer uh, in the mid late part of the first decade of the 2000s i think I can't yes remember the exact year yeah 2008 but, um, this album would have been his swan song so they I, they david gilmore and nick mason got together finished out the tracks that were unfinished and they released this as an instrumental record and it's the only co almost completely instrumental record floyd ever put out uh there's one song the very last song has some lyrics in it and um it's not. I, it's not bad. It's not for everybody. A lot uh, yeah. of fans really don't like it. Uh, yeah. As you were saying, you kind of thought it would be at the bottom of my list, and yet, if I hadn't forgotten about it, <laughs> just try to tell you something about how yeah. impression it made, it probably <laughs> would have been. But it's it's really more of an addendum to the division bell than it is really an out something in its own right. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. It's yeah. like you said. It's something you put on for background music. You don't sit down and like take this record in you just have it on while you're yeah exactly yeah so you have any thoughts well i this one this is one of the ones i like the least um and especially given some of the when you know some of the stories behind it when they go in there and they're just i don't like it when they just throw stuff together just mm -hmm. with any band not Pink Floyd, but any band just throw stuff together just to have an album out, which this is what this feels like. Like Led Zeppelin's Coda. Was just yeah. They just threw together to get some sales. Yep. Yeah. Well, the only thing left for me to say about this album, I don't know if you agree or not, I just think it's a sad swan song for a really good band. And I wish they would have done something original and maybe it just at least tried. I don't know. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I I wish they would have made like an actual album. Maybe they'd put some words to some of these songs that made an actual record yeah. and not just a bunch of instrumentals. But, you know, oh well, that's that's what we got. So it, that's that's it. Yeah, you just gotta go with what you got. That's it. Yeah. Right. So what you got next? All right. 
Next. It's kind of a tie. Oh, okay. Because I couldn't really pick a favorite between these next two. What I have next is Obscured by Clouds. Oh, okay. Which is this... They did as a soundtrack for a movie called La Vallée. I believe it was a Barbet Schroeder film. Uh, yes. I've never I've never seen it. I've always wanted to. I've never stumbled across it anywhere. It kind of gets forgotten because it lands between metal and after metal and before Dark Side of the Moon. Yes. And it's definitely not as good as either of those records. No, but, but it's good in its own right. I it mean, is. I was just I have warmed to this record in the last three two or three years. Mm-hmm. I never really gave it much of a chance. If we'd done this four or five years ago, I probably would have had it down at the bottom near Saucer Full of Secrets. But I really warmed up to it. It's it's a little uneven, but it is to a movie, so there's not the music separated from the movie. It's, it seems a little unfocused, but it's got some great songs on it. Um, right. Free Four and What's uh, the Deal? Yeah. Awful mm-hmm. title, but a terrible, but a great song. Exactly. I, this is a, this is an album I really come around on the last few years. It's a good album. I mean, you can't you can't fault it. Like I said, it's nowhere near Dark Side of the Moon, obviously. But you know, on its own stand, you know, standalone, it's it's good. I mean, it's yeah. a good listen. There's nothing really horrible on it, and no. so I mean, you know, I think it's um, I think it's it's un, I think it's underrated. Yeah, now yeah. some of the instrumental bits are a little forgettable. But yeah. you know they were composed to go along with a, a film school, a film. So you know you take them out, they're not. Maybe they don't quite stand on their own like a a regular Floyd song would. Right. But um. But it's it's a good record, and I've really I've really come to enjoy it the last year or two. Exactly, yeah. and I think it's a little odd. I don't know. I don't know that there there's that many albums where a band has done it that it's an official release slash soundtrack of a movie. Yeah, and they have two of them. Two of them. Coming up on this list, yeah. I'm sure there are others, but I just thought that was kind of unique. Yeah, Queen is the only other one I can think that did that. Oh, yeah. They did that with Flash Gordon and with kind of uh, A Kind of Magic. Um, Yeah. But they're the only two bands I can think of that ever did that. I mean, so it's kind of interesting. I mean, it's interesting. It's a little it's your trivia thing. Yeah. Yeah. So the next one, and I would consider this probably an equal equal with Obscure by Clouds, is Adam Hart Mother. Oh, yeah. I like this that is, one. Yeah. This is one I listened to a lot when we were back in college. I listened to this all the time. And then I just kind of backed off on it. I don't know. I think uh, Moore has kind of taken its place as my kind of go-to really early Floyd album. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is a great Great record. Um, first, one of the only times I think they actually recorded with an orchestra, the um, yes, I the Adam so. Hart Mother Suite, which takes up the whole first side of the record, is just different. Is a little song cycle and, and a harbinger of what was to come from Pink Floyd in the nineteen seventies. Exactly. Then um, they recorded with an orchestra, and the second half they revisited the individual songwriter's idea but did it much better much yes came across much better and it's not nick mason doesn't write a song which nick mason's not really a songwriter so it's probably just as well but roger waters rick wright and david gilmore each contribute a song and they're all really good. Um, yep. fat old son is one of the best things gil i think maybe in the first song he ever wrote lyrics for 
probably the best song he ever wrote lyrics for too. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's got it's a good flow. It's got a good flow to it. Yeah. Um. There. I don't think there's a stinker on this either. Um, no. Even Alan's psychedelic breakfast, which rounds out side two, is maybe a little uneven, but it's interesting. You can sit down yeah. and you know it's mostly instrumental with some like recorded voices in, and uh, you know it's a good relax. I used to play this a lot when we lived forms and I would take a nap in the afternoon. I would put this on as yeah, <laughs> as, no, it's a good idea. It's, yeah, it's very nice, nice and relaxing music. Mm-hmm. And I. Just to say, I don't. I'm not pulling this stuff out of my ass. I'm looking at um, Wikipedia, and Alan Parsons did the engineering on the album. I knew he. I didn't know that. I knew he had engineered Dark Side of the Moon, but I didn't realize he engineered. Yep, he mixed the album. Apparently, oh, that's cool. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Little sign of things to come. Yep. Yeah. So my next one, number nine, is Piper at the Gates of Dawn. And this is the Sid Barrett record, the very first Pink Floyd album. And it's unlike any other Pink Floyd album that would come after it. Um, this is pure True. psychedelic rock at its finest. Sid Barrett went to art school, I think, with Roger Waters. And they met Rick Wright and Nick Mason, decided to form a band. He, he came up with the name Pink Floyd from two blues musicians. Combined the first names of two blues musicians. And he wrote most of the lyrics, played guitar, sang. He was the creative force. He was a very interesting songwriter. It's it's sad he didn't get to do more. It would have been interesting to see what else he could have come up with. Um, yes. Yeah, it would have been. But he succumbed to the double whammy of schizophrenia and too much acid. And that is a bad combination for anyone. Yes, it is. And he very rapidly deteriorated after, as we said after this album was put out and eventually they just dropped him from the band but um this record's got some interesting stuff on it it is like i said very psychedelic as you said kind of english folky in its lyrics and almost childlike in a way sometimes he had a very interesting way of coming up with rhymes yep. and uh it's it's, it's it's a pity he didn't get to do more uh, it's a really sad story oh no Reflection, looking at this now, it's almost, you can almost look at it as a Sid Barrett solo album. Because I don't, you know, Pink Floyd yeah. obviously had not not gone anywhere yet. And they hadn't no. that made their name. And, and who knows what they could have been if he stayed. Yeah. He wrote every song on it except for Interstellar Overdrive, which was credited to all four members. And the one Roger Waters song, Take Up Thy Stethoscope and Walk, which is the weakest song on the record. Everything else is pretty, is killer, but you have, it's not, it's not a record for everybody. No, not everybody's going to be able to sit down and listen to this, especially if you're familiar with classic era, Pink Floyd, and you hear this, and you're like, <laughs> I have to wonder if how, I don't know if Waters ego had started to show through yet. And this young, I was wondering how much it, cause you know, Sid Barrett had control of this. This was his yeah. album. I wonder if that just ate at Roger Waters at some level. You never know. I don't you know? know. You never know. what Would Roger Waters have become the Roger Waters we know and love if Sid Barrett hadn't gone off the deep end and he had to take over exactly. the songwriting duties? I mean, would we have had the wall Exactly. If Sid Barrett had not lost it? Yeah, I mean, we'll the, never know. Yeah, we'd never know. Never hear David Gilmore. You know, yeah, he uh, might, he might, 
he he came into the band because Barrett couldn't play on stage anymore, and you know he might have just lived the rest of his life in obscurity. Exactly. So, it's one of the great what ifs of the classic rock era. Oh, definitely. This is definitely an interesting album as far as what what could have been if things had not turned out the way they did. So yeah, yeah. So from here we'll go to number eight, which is from one extreme to another. <laughs> Momentary Lapse of Reason. Yes. Which was uh, the band's comeback in 1987 and would have been the contemporary album we were listening to in our junior, senior year in high school. Correct. Yep. It would have been. We saw this band on that tour in 1988 together. Yes, Um, we did. We were in high school. That was a great show. It was a fantastic show. It's still the best show I've ever been to. Nothing could compare to Pink Floyd's show. I really... I didn't get to see them on the Division Bell tour. Both of the, I was my last semester of college. Both of the dates they played in our area were on days I had exams. And oh man! If it if I hadn't been graduating, I would have. I probably would have blown one of them off and gone anyway. But I could. <laughs> Little did I know it was going to be the last time. But um, but this is the first album of the Gilmore Floyd era. Uh, Roger Waters had left the band a few years earlier. By that point, his ego was in full control. And as far as he was concerned, there was no Pink Floyd without him. Exactly. He was Pink Floyd. Yes, he was Pink Floyd, which you could make an argument. Yeah. But Gilmore was like, nope, Roger's left us. We're going to carry on. And they put this album together. And it was a big hit, a very big hit. Big oh, no, yeah. It, it was a big album at the time. Yes, it was. Yes, and um, still one of my, my favorite records of theirs today. Now, I don't listen to it a lot anymore, but uh, I wore this out when it was out because it was, it was fantastic. Some of, some of David Gilmore's best writing as a singer and as a musician. Um, Sorrow, the, the guitar solo on Sorrow is oh, just... Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, God. Learning to Fly, which is a fair, a somewhat of a hit for them, a moderate hit, top mm-hmm. 40 hit for them. I remember the video for that. Yeah. I mean, one of yeah. the first videos I remember watching. Yeah. This album has not aged as well as Division Bell, however. Division Bell still sounds fairly contemporary, whereas the original mix of Momentary of Reason sounds, it definitely sounds like an 80s record. Well, I think that has a lot to do with Bob Ezrin being the producer. That could be. Could be part of that, yes. A lot of his albums have a certain sound, and they, I think, they picked up some of that from this because that you, I know you had just mentioned that that the original mix, the remix, is the one to listen to. I was just about to bring that up. Yes, they they recently, within the last two or three years, remixed this album to make it sound a little more contemporary balance out some of the sound levels. I, mean, I think they added a few extra parts, maybe. But it's a far superior mix of the record than the original one. The original one's not bad, but like it, does, it does sound a little dated to modern ears. I think so, yeah. It, 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 the production hurts it, but the remix really, really puts... It's like a breath of fresh air for this album. Yeah. It is. And you and I don't normally approve of that stuff when they go in and remix no. stuff, but they, they got it right on this one. They, they really did get it right on this one. Exactly. Hi, everybody. Nate here, just jumping in to say we decided to make this a two-part episode because it ran on for about an hour. So um, this is the first part. 
uh, which covers half of Pink Floyd's records. And we'll be back soon with the um, second half. Hope you enjoyed it and hope to see you soon. Thanks.